When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. For logbook servicing you can rely on, you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car according to manufacturer's specifications. For real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty, book in or book online at repcoservice.com. Welcome to Inspiring Stories for Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Hello, my name is Tim McMillan. Welcome to another episode of Inspiring Stories brought to you by Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Uh, my guest in this episode is paid to see the little moments. Uh, he is uh, one of the big names in AFL. I'm going to be a little bit cryptic here, but he's featured in well over 300 games of AFL uh, into his 20th season, in fact. You're probably wondering, which team does he play for? Who is he talking about? How many goals has he kicked? How many uh, possessions, how many Brownlow votes, all of that. Well, uh, he's not a player. Uh, He is one of the people uh, that gets lovingly referred to sometimes as a green maggot. Uh, But it is true. He is featured now in uh, well over 300 games of AFL and has the incredibly tough job of keeping the game going, keeping it flowing and keeping it fair. Although I have to say... Uh, to my guests from the outset, that some of my Frio Docker-loving uh, friends and family would be filthy with me for even giving you the time of day. It's with great pleasure I say hello and welcome to Dean Marquette's. Thank you, Tim. And I, I certainly <laughs> say a warm welcome to your family at home. And hopefully by the end of this segment, um, I'm not trying to be inspiring, but certainly they can say maybe he's not such a bad bloke. <laughs> oh, look, you know, I'm just having a bit of fun. But uh, look, I'm sure nothing I said there is even in the same realm as some of the stuff that gets thrown your way across a boundary fence. No, it's certainly, no, it's, uh, as I'm sure we'll go to this a bit later on with some of the stuff that you'll probably, yeah. it, it does go probably over the fence a little bit too much, but I'm um, certainly the people that hang over the fence and have a crack on games. I've got no problem with that. I think yeah. that's an important part of the game. It's, it's that chemistry, that, ke- that electricity of, of what the game's mm. about. And I think we've been very fortunate in Perth over the COVID um, challenging season, Tim, where, um, you know, you, you see some games in Melbourne with nothing. It's just that real sterile environment, but we have that atmosphere. And I think the players, and I think, was it Patrick Dangerfield said, we want to play in front of crowds and you can see yeah. and understand why. Yeah. Having said that, being in your role, having no one <laughs> in the stands, it must be some part of you that goes, oh, what a dream. Yeah, no, it is. I, no I, abuse I, at all. I guess the players give you more 360 feedback because you can hear a bit more. But um, yeah. as again, but the players are really good. They've, um, I think the rapport we've got with them at the moment is probably at an all-time high and the respect yeah. that we have for what they do and what we do is pretty uh, in a really good place. Yeah. Um, now, you're calling time on your AFL umpiring career. Yeah. Um, why is that? What's the motivation behind um, that? Combination. Um, I guess reading the signs a little bit, you know, from people, you know, in our department, um, probably always been told that it's always good to go one year earlier than one year late. Um, mm-hmm. and I felt like I was leaving in a pretty good form and, um, in a good place. Uh, and it's probably time to invest some extra time because it's such a consuming thing. I've done it for 20 years, Tim, and it's mm-hmm. all I've known. My whole life has been mapped around football when I start to train, when I travel, when I can take holidays, whose weddings I can go to, what parties I can go to or not go to. So I guess to be a normal person for a bit. And 
I guess we become a bit institutionalised, if that's the right word. It sounds a bit strong. Yeah. I don't really mean it to be that way because it's not. It's been my sport and my passion, but it does – it's all in-consuming. And not just for me. It's for my family, um, my parents, my brother. Like, it's it's Deanmar gets – are you attached to him? Are you related to him? What's it like? Is he this? Is he that? And yeah. I remember my mum won a tipping competition once about eight years ago. In, um, <laughs> When she won it, and she won it fair and square, it yeah. was like, oh, you only won because your son's an umpire. He must have told you he's going to win. And it was almost <laughs> like this Part little, of some conspiracy. It was like an asterisk against her name. And I felt really sorry for her because we never spoke about it once. She never yeah. once said, I heard you. I, I said, I, I just don't know. I'm not interested in that sort of stuff. So I felt a bit for her. You can go anywhere near a ticking, tipping competition, <laughs> even under a false name. You're not you under get a false out. name. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, the scrutiny on the umpire, though, did, did you ever get used to that? Over the years, I mean, you, you mentioned form. It's interesting that you talk about your form. Mm. Um, you know, people maybe think of players as yeah. noting their form, but not an umpire so much. Yeah, well, we're certainly um, we're assessed pretty strongly. Um, yeah. All our decisions either are correct, missed, or unwarranted. And the feedback I get over the fence says I miss a lot, and I yeah. pay a lot of unwarranted. Um, certainly, um, our bounces, our match management, our communication with players, our interactions—that's all assessed because essentially there's 34 umpires in Australia on the AFL list team, and Obviously, we want to do a grand final and do the final, so then it gets culled down into 16, into 12, into 6, and mm. into 3. So there is an assessment process, which is pretty rigid. Um, there's no question. A lot of people think that the AFL umpiring department is unaccountable, but I can certainly attest that it's very yeah. scrutinised. And there's 27 umpires required every week, and there's also 8 or 9 who don't get to umpire. So they want to umpire, so they need some of us to fall over through form or injury. Um, so we're assessed pretty strongly, um, and we have to go through a pretty rigorous process through that. Yeah. Let's go back to... Your early days, obviously you fell in love with the game. Yep. I'm sure you didn't fall in love with the idea of being no. an umpire. No, definitely um, not. Tell me about your early memories of, of just loving the, the game. game yeah, well, I, well, I, it, it's clear. It's, it's a long time. It's like 40 years ago, Tim, where um, I was seven years of age and my dad took me around to the local footy club, which was Maddington, out in the southern eastern corridor there. And um, started in the maroon and gold jumper there. My dad was the coach and, you know, your mum would wash your jumper and you have your boots on at seven o'clock ready to go because you loved it. And I played my whole junior career, met some of my best friends through that. My parents met, met their friends circle through junior footy. I think that's the strong part of community footy. You meet such good people. Yep. Um, I got to about 20 years of age and started playing some senior footy in community uh, where I played about 57-odd league games for Maddington in the Sunday league, which was called then. And then I got to the point where I thought, I love the game, but I just lost the passion for playing. So I coached a junior side for a year, um, an under-13 side. And a couple of the players, um, one was Dominic Cassissi, played for yep. Port Adelaide, was the captain. So yep. to have coached a young kid at 13 to then go in time and shake his hand at a coin toss at Adelaide Oval was pretty spe special for me and I, I hope for Dom. Um, then I did that for a season. That got hard with work, you know, leaving early to go do training and stuff. So then I thought, what else can I do to stay involved? And then I remember I was at my best mate's house in Thornley the comment news was there and said, umpires wanted. I said, perfect. How hard could it be? Let's do that for a, <laughs> let's do that for a season. Let's see what we can do. And, and I, how hard was it? It wasn't too bad at juniors because I, I was just a footy head. I watched the winners. I watched all the shows. So I kind of had yeah. that bit of flair, how hard, you know, run around and mm. play on and do the holding the ball. So I quite enjoyed that. And then it was just by chance that David Johnson, who was a you know, high-profile um, waffle umpire back in the day, was the waffle manager. And I umpired his son in a game in 1997, I think it was. And he said, I think you've got something, Dean. I think there's something there we can tap into. Um, I'm going to send you a letter to come down to Waffle. And I thought, as if this guy's going to send me, Dean Mar gets a skinny little run from Addington, a Waffle invitation. And to his credit, he did. I joined up in 1998. I did my first league game in 1999. I did the Waffle Grand Final in 2000. And in 2002, I was on the AFL panel. I thought, mm. this has happened in five years. That's just so... 
uh, uncommon. And I guess because I, I started umpiring when I was 22, I was a lot older than most. Most kids start when they're 13 or 14. So I, I, I was playing umpiring. in umpiring. Yeah, yeah, a lot of kids see that as their, that's their sport. Yeah. Um, so I was almost learning how to umpire at the AFL. Yeah. So my first couple of years were just like, what am I doing? Well, I shouldn't be here. You I, can't I, say that. <laughs> am I ready for this? Um, and, and, and there was some roller coasters. There's some yeah. highs and there's some lows. And, and to look back on it 20 years to think what I, what I achieved on the umpiring CV, it's, um, yeah, it's a bit, of, it's a, yeah. it's a pretty humbling and, and special experience for me. Yeah. What was it? What was that thing that he saw in you back then? Did he ever yeah, specify? Yeah, he, he did. He said it was the way I communicated with players. He goes, it wasn't telling the um the person who gave away the free kick why he'd done it. It was telling the person who got the free kick why he'd earned it. Mm. And I don't even recall doing it, but he, he said that was the thing that I thought, if you can speak to players like that at that level, if you can bring that to the next level at Waffle, there's something there. And yep. I was always very fit. I, I, I never put on any weight. I've been 75 kilos for as long as I can remember, so I'm very fortunate. So I guess my parents gave me some very durable and resilient genes, um, and I was able to run, you know, for a long period of time. And mm. you know, I'm sure we'll go to th- through some kilometres later on. But well, yeah. So, yeah, some of the stats are <laughs> impressive. Yeah, yeah. Yep. I mean, you've you've got to be uh, aerobically yep. just a machine, yeah. don't you, to do it day in day out? I mean, out. pre-season starting you know, one November, and you do yeah. a bulk of running three or four times a week just to get to the start of the season in yeah. March. And now with um, AFLW starting in December and the pre-season comps in February in in Perth, as you know, Tim, you know the weather's pretty extreme, so mm. you got to battle through that. Yep, and then you got a twenty-three round series as well. Yeah, um, at forty-seven, um, you are the oldest umpire in mm. the ranks. There, mm. do you have this sort of father figure sort of persona within the ranks yeah. or it is almost, you know, <laughs> avuncular maybe? I'm not sure about or that. Or is it just straight out competitive? Yeah, it's straight out competitive. Um, I've always, I never thought of myself as 47. I kind of feel like a 30 year old. And when you're mm. hanging around there, you sort of just become one of them. And it's only when I go and pay my license every year, I go, I'm in 74. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't change, does it? Um, I always had aspirations to be that first 50 year old umpire. That would have been a great trailblazer, but you know, that hasn't happened and, and won't happen clearly. But um, you know, I, I reflect back on when I started when I was 27, I think that that's pretty much footy's been part of my life since I was seven. So for 40 years, I've either been playing, coaching yeah. or umpiring. I've been involved in it and I'm just still a lover of the game. Yeah. yeah. And you, and you still love it. Obviously. I do. I love watching yeah. games. I, as it, people say, who do you barrack for? I say, well, I actually used to barrack for Fitzroy. When I was a kid growing up, I used to love Bernie Crinlan and Mickey Conlon. I used to love their jumper. You know, that yep. red, blue and gold emblem there. That was my thing. And then when I became an umpire, you almost become desensitized to teams. You just see free kick, pay free kick. And, um, you know, people have often said, I'm you know, the West Coast Eagles number one ticket holder and all this nonsense. And my wife works at the front desk and I often said to people, have actually rung the West Coast reception, asked to speak to her, because I don't think you're going to find her there. <laughs> she just doesn't work there. Um, so all these myths, you know, they perpetuate, and I guess it becomes almost, um, it's like the Loch lock Ness Monster, is it? Is it real? Yeah. <laughs> or do we just believe it because we see these, like, hazy images in the background? And but, then look for things that might... Yeah, and then we grow. And cause, support and, this theory. And because social media is so prevalent now, Tim, and um, yeah. memes can be put on. You can put Dean Mar gets his face on an Eagles jumper and put him on top of all this stuff. Yeah. If you have oh, a, people have a lot of time in you're talking to a player pre-game, they take a photo and they'll say three votes, Luke, Shiri, or if I'm talking to five, they'll say, it's just, yeah. it's just relationships, yeah. you know? Yeah. And you must have a thick skin. Yeah, pretty thick. Um, I reckon towards the, the last few weeks of my career, the last few games, I reckon it affected me a bit more because I knew I was going and I yeah. thought, um, there was one game, it was the Frio Brisbane game where I was out on the boundary line quite a bit. Mm. Uh, and I remember the crowd almost went quiet and I could almost hear every abusive thing. I could, I could almost sense that was a 10-year-old kid or that was a 40-year-old woman or that was a 60-year-old bloke. I could almost hear their voices. And I thought to myself, is that my subconscious almost checking out mm. or felt like that was time? 
Um, but then fast forward to the, the final game, which was a really special day, um, and then having the Frio faithful sort of almost give me a standing ovation. You know, that was nice. It was almost like that way of saying, we're sorry for 377 <laughs> games, but this is what you're going to get. So yeah. that, that was nice. I'll take that. Well, you went out in the high with the Frio fans, didn't you? I think so. After yeah. many years of, of being a target yeah, for them. I, did. I mean, it was you didn't gr- even have to give them a dodgy free kick, uh, you know. Yeah, I think I'm quite okay. I think <laughs> I might have had a couple of errors in that game. One was I probably should have paid against West Coast and one I think I gave to Freo, which I probably shouldn't have. So I had, yeah, that's how yeah. we get assessed. You know, missed or unwarranted. But for me, it wasn't about accountability or, yeah. or stats. It was just about to just soak it up and go, yeah. I probably won't be able to stand out here again in front of 50,000 people. And yep. and what some people forget also, Tim, is, you know, people like um, David Mundy and Shannon, I've umpired their whole careers. I yeah. see them come on the scene at 17, 18 years of age and then... Yeah. I went up and shook David Mundy's hand after the game and said, look, well done, mate, you've been a star. And, you know, for what he does for 353 games and the colliding and the collisions and the recovery, you just got to take that off to the players. Yeah, it's for Josh Kennedy to run yep. after me after the game and shake my hand and say, look, well done, mate, you've been awesome. Mm. And I said, well done, you beat me. Um, you know, that sort of banter is, yeah. you, know, you, know, you know, Shannon yeah. Hearn came and saw me. He wasn't playing, met me after the game. Richard Goyder came and wished me well before the chairman of the AFL. So to think that, I've had that little bit of an impact in Perth from an AFL point of view. It was really pleasing. And the messages I got, Tim, from around yep. the country, coaches, players, um, administrators, strangers, um, it was yeah, it was really humbling. Pretty special. It was. Very good. We need to take a break. After that, I want to ask you about uh, you know the, the game that you were asked to officiate as a 27-year-old compared to, to now. Massive changes, of course, through the game, which has been you know something that footy fans talk endlessly about. Mm. Um, but I suppose it's even more important for someone who's actually got to make sense of the rules and apply them to the game, you Absolutely. know, in that moment too, yep. which is, you know, a huge job. We'll get into that right after we take a break. Dima Getz is our special guest. This is Inspiring Stories. Back with more in a moment. You're listening to Inspiring Stories for Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Inspiring Stories for Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Welcome back to Inspiring Stories. Uh, my guest in this episode is the one and only Dean Margetts. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, <laughs> the, one the, the one and only. Um, and you must turn up to, you know, random parties and that sort of thing and people go, is that? Yep. Is that? And then come up and yep. say all sorts of you know, I remember round 13. Yeah, you do. Um, 2002. Yeah. It's funny. You, you did this. Yeah. You, you, I think my last week where I had a fair bit of media, you know, publicity, I was on TV a fair bit and in the paper, every time you open up the paper, like, oh, even my kids think, dad, we're getting sick of seeing you in the paper. <laughs> um, but certainly probably the last five or six years, I've noticed it more where if I'm in a news agency, you can almost say, that, that's that umpire bloke over there. Yeah. Um, and then some people come up, want to have a photo, which is nice. And yeah. then some people ask, who do you bury it for? So it has been good. <laughs> I think people in... Um, normal life situations um, are surprised that when they come up and say hello or can we have a mm. photo or whatnot, um, that we're just normal people. Um, mm. And they're like, oh, Craig, I didn't realise you are like that. And I said, well, yeah. what did you think we were going to yeah, be like? Exactly. <laughs> but you put on the, the, the green chest of armour, I suppose, and you tell yeah. me this robot wants to destroy footy. Exactly. And I think yeah, this people, is part of some grand conspiracy some, yeah, to that, ruin your dreams. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's not, that's not the agenda at all. I think all umpires um, are in the game just because they love it so much. And yeah. if we can play our role and service it as we're required to do and and sit in the background a bit. And we, we don't ask for the microphones to be put on or we don't ask mm. for the cameras to zoom in, but 
You know, I mean, sure, Ray Chamberlain, you know, a colleague in Victoria, he gets a fair bit of it. And I mean, he's a personality. He puts himself out there, so he gets, mm. his, he gets his right whack. And I guess for me, I guess I've been that sort of profile face of umpire in, in Perth for a long period of time as well. So, mm. um, But I'm, I'm happy to wear that because I think if, it, if we can give umpiring a bit of a face and a voice, that's a yep. really good thing for young kids coming through. Yeah. Um, let's talk about the game as it was when you first entered the AFL ranks 20 seasons ago. Uh, it has changed a lot, hasn't it, oh, yeah. in the 20 years? Which version of the game do you like better? I think I preferred the original version where you had you know, forwards who stayed inside 50 and when the players looked up from the centre and they could kick and there was a person leading out. I think I love that period for mm. his form. Um, I think sometimes today what people don't forget is you know, inside 50, you could have literally 30 players around the ball yep. and finding the right position, the right angle is always sometimes difficult. And I think if you're sitting on the other side of the fence, you'll see a different view to what the umpire does. Yep. That's why you've seen our positionings move. Um, then you've got to also give give massive kudos to probably Steve Hocking for some of the changes and having the, the courage to make big calls like 666, stand. I mean, when they got mentioned, people were going, what's he done to the game? Yeah. But I think in hindsight, look back, those were changes that we probably needed to make the game what it needs to be. Scoring, freeing yeah. up the ball. So the person with the ball is the, the one who dictates the play versus the defensive side. So yeah. we always love the high scoring games. And I think we're mm. getting back there, but again, coaches probably find a way to manipulate it back the other way as well. So it's a balancing act, isn't it? It's difficult. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And, you know, moving with the times and making it a more uh, sellable, exciting product Correct. Um, for audiences as well. What about the physical contact that was allowed to happen? even yeah. 20 years ago, and obviously, you know, even more so in decades prior to that. Yep. Um, but the, the level of physicality uh, and particularly, you know, the collisions and that, yeah. the bumps, the, the collisions, bumps, yeah. you know, the shirt fronts, all of that sort of stuff from 20 years ago yeah. compared to now. There's a lot of stuff, you, you know. A huge. I mean, I think get, the biggest change. get rubbed out for multiple oh, games. absolutely. Yeah. The things I've noticed, the biggest change, Tim, is probably the dangerous tackle. Yeah. Back when I played and back in, they say, 10, 20 years ago, you know, the coach would say, make sure he stays down. Make sure we hurt him so he has to come off. I mean, that now, that just if you even said that, you'd be in mm. heaps of trouble. So I think we've seen concussion in the head being such an important part of our game. I reckon that's been one massive adjustment for all stakeholders, not just players and coaches, but also viewers watching that. What we used to think was a, a, a great tackle is now against the law. Yeah. You know, I mean, the donor tackle, you know, is your head in a vulnerable position? Are your arms pinned? Is there excessive rotation? Do your legs go higher than your hips? So there's all these cues that umpires have to process. And I think nine times out of 10, when we pay those, I reckon most people say, yeah, that, that's the right fee to pay. Yeah. And we want that 13-year-old kid who's going to play on Saturday go, no, I can't tackle like that. Because yeah. we, want, we want players to be playing. We don't want to be suspended yeah. and we don't want to lose a game through injury. And I think that's really important. That's tough for umpires. You're asking a 15-year-old kid to then go an umpire like me on the weekend when he's still learning, there's so many elements, holding the ball, pushing the back, dangerous tackle, um, yeah. 50 metre penalties, protected area. There's there's so much happening. What, what's been the one rule change that people have gotten on your back the most about over the years? Has is, is there been one that people have had a real issue with? Probably that when they brought the hands in the back in. Yeah. Remember where you could sort of you know hold your ground a bit yeah. and then and take him up. Then they said any any movement, any contact was just a free kick. Yeah. And that lasted for probably three or four seasons. Then they wheeled it right back to say, no, you can hold your ground provided you don't push. So that was probably the one that copped the most traction from a verbal point of view. Yeah. yeah. And an adjustment for players as well because you're so used to doing that. And then to say you can't do it, it was it was difficult for everyone to adjust. It, it seemed for a while that they were tinkering for tinkering's sake. Yeah. Um, from a fan point of view, yep. anyway. Um, have there been some shockers? From your point of view, do you think? 
Oh, shock is probably a tough word. Um, but I'm not employed by the AFL now, so I can probably exactly. say that. Exactly. You're off I? the leash now. Um, Go I've, for been, it. I've been so programmed yeah. for so long. <laughs> be me, be me. Yeah. Um, shock is not sure. I, or just bad calls. Yeah. You know, that that just haven't maybe served the purpose that they were hoping it would serve. Yeah, probably, maybe the hands in the back was the yeah. one. I think that might be the one. I think that there's been the last few have been pretty good. Um, just try, trying to find, I mean, I guess you've got to, if we still umpired the same way, because people would say, why don't we just have one umpire? Well, you can't mm. have one umpire. The way the game's played, you couldn't have a one umpire system. You almost need four now the way it's played. It's such a 360 game, such the constant movement. Um, but I, I think the way it's played now, it's such a tactical – I mean, I, I went to a game – I don't often sit in the crowd, Tim, and watch games because mm. it is difficult because people know who you are. And they're like, well, all that carry on that goes on. But I actually sat there with my hat on with my brother and we watched it from – it was the Melbourne West uh, West Coast game where they had to come off for half an hour. Yeah. And just sitting up high and watching the chess and the movement and the running patterns of the players because I don't normally see that. I, I'm on the ground. And and not hearing my microphone of my colleagues in my ear, um, that was different. I'm like, what's that free kick for? Oh, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not mic'd up anymore. Yeah. So, so even those watching the game isn't a change and adjustment for me. Yeah. yeah. The cameras now and the scrutiny yep. on so many parts of the ground, you know, off the ball, mm. um, that must have made your your job harder in many ways as well, yeah? Yeah, it does. Uh, even our review process, you know, you see things, you know, because we have the arc system for our yeah. reviews, so they can flip the camera to the other side of the ground to the opposite view and say, why couldn't we have seen that through? I said, well, we can't pay what we can't see. So that's, that's, a, that's a coaching element for us to, to use, um, good and bad. Um, but certainly from a tribunal point of view, I mean, so many yeah. things are picked up now like that. It just wouldn't have been picked up, you know, 20 years ago when I started. And mm. 20 years ago, there was no score review. Mm. score review. It's just like goal umpire's mm. call. Exactly. And then obviously 10 years ago when that one hit the post in the grand final, St Kilda Geelong, that was clear and we got that wrong. I think they said, oh, we've got to get this right. I, I still sometimes love the fact that there's humans, players yeah. make mistakes, coaches yep. sometimes err, umpires err. The ball is oval. It's not going to bounce perfect. Um, well, my, most of my bounces were pretty good. Too, I have to say that. <laughs> but the ball, the way the ball, I mean, the ball bounces perfect. Then Stevie Mill kicks that goal in 2018 and they're a premiership team, aren't they? All yeah. of a sudden it goes the other way. They're not. Yeah. It's a game of inches. It's a game of seconds. And um, it's just, that's why footy is footy. It's yeah. Beautiful thing. Talking about bouncing the ball. I mean, that was a controversy in itself for a while, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. To, to bounce or not to bounce? You're a bouncer. I'm a bouncer. I'm a massive yeah. bouncer. I think we've got the right balance, though, with Tim. Like, we used to bounce around the ground. Yeah. Like, sometimes I had games where I bounced it 35 times. Yeah. Um, whereas now it might be sort of 8 to 12, you know, start of quarters or after goals. And I think that's the right balance. Because yeah. someone said to me, why don't you just throw it up? And I said, well... Yeah, that would be great. Then you're going to get NBA players coming just doing tip-offs and it's very sterile and you, the nuances of body movement and just that not perfect bounce. I mean, as much as we, we aim for perfection, I mean, everyone's got their own unique style and provided we get it up and they're up and get a contest, that's what we want. So I think that's the yeah. special part of our game. It, am, am I right in thinking that that's a bit of a, a, a way to compare yourself from, uh, among the umpires? <laughs> How good are your bounces? It, it is, it is. Yeah. We have our elite bouncers and our guys who can bounce into the clouds and, and some you who considered struggle. a... A, a top level bouncer. Uh, I would like to think so. Yeah. yeah, I. I mean, I generally started most of the games I was with because some guys get quite anxious. Yeah, and they don't want to start. It, and when they're out there, they're fine. But that that first bounce is pretty a, a big thing. I mean, I had the, the start of the derby here a few weeks yep. ago, and you know, there's fifty thousand people, and you know, for that split second, that everyone's watching you. Mm. And when you put it off, or it goes out the circle to recall, then it's like, uh. But when you bounce on straight, that's what people expect. And I guess that's what I expect of myself and all 34 of us would expect the same. Yeah. Um, we need to take another break. But after that, I really want to get your um, your insights into some of the, the amazing players and the, the privileged position, I think, that you had yep. being out in the middle of the field. You know? mm. <laughs> 
privilege to you. Yeah, no, it was. It, and, um, and on reflection, I'm, yeah, yeah, I look back on something. It's a, I, yeah, a unique it way yeah, to absolutely. see some unbelievable games of footy and some incredible athletes, you know, doing their thing. So right. I'm really keen to hear some of your observations absolutely. on, you know, players and moments that have really stuck in your memory. For sure. We'll get into that right after we take a break. This is Inspiring Stories. Dean Maggetts is our special guest. Back with more in a sec. You're listening to Inspiring Stories for Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Inspiring Stories for Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Welcome back to Inspiring Stories. Tim McMillan is my name. My special guest in this episode is uh, the man in the middle for 20 years of AFL football, Dean Margetts. Uh, Dean, you had a really um, unique perspective of a lot of games of footy, 377 games of footy. You must have seen some things that you know that we can't see in the crowd or can't pick up on, on, on the TV screens. Um, for you, um, great players, great moments... Mm. things that really stick in your mind. Can you share some of those with yeah, us? Yeah, absolutely. I think my first game was special, Tim. It was yeah. round five, 2002, West Coast, Brisbane. I'd played the game in my mind every hour leading up to that that, that moment, and I, I had the ball ready to bounce, and I just took a couple of seconds, looked to my left, and there was Judd, Cousins, and Kerr. looked to my right, and there was Black, Akamanis, and Voss. And I just thought, what, what am I doing with these blokes? It, yeah. just, it just seems surreal. Then when you look back on – their careers and there's, I think there was, you know, being four Brownlow medalists, a couple of runner-up Brownlow medalists in that, in that, mm. my first game. So to have those players there, you know, I got to umpire the likes of Nick Rewalt. I've never seen a person run as much as him. Like he would almost run three or four Ks before the game in his warm-up. I'd go mm. out an hour before the game. He's just running laps and doing stuff that no one else could do. Um, you know, Nathan Buckley at his best, you know, Chris Judd bursting through this, you know, Ben Cousins has worked great, you know, just some of his running. Cause sometimes as the far umpire, you just get to sit back and go, wow, <laughs> mm. copping bumps, copping collisions, which no one sees to get up and go again and again. Um, James Heard, you know, I, I was in the game where he got hit by a Freo player front on. I'm not sure. Subi probably tw- almost smashed his face. It was like a car accident. And I was the umpire there. It was just pretty confronting to see that. Seen some nasty injuries. Um, but, you know, even the modern-day players, you know, like those Ollie Wines, the Petrakas, those strong guys, that they get tackled and they get these handballs out. And how did that even come out? And, yeah. and people sort of don't fully appreciate how good these guys are. And I've been very fortunate enough to even spend a lot of time at West Coast and Frio at their training sessions. And even a stock standard training session, most normal people could not finish. Just wouldn't be able to do it. So mm. my admiration for players um, and their courage and their fitness is, you know, off the scale. Yeah. And I know you guys as umpires, maybe one of the things that people don't appreciate, you spend a lot of time outside of games at the clubs, yep. don't you? Yep. I mean, working through any rule changes yes. that we've just spoken about. Yeah. Um, just staying in touch, building that rapport, yep. those relationships. Um, how much time would you spend with the clubs um, outside of games? Yeah, in the pre-season, a lot. I mean, yep. last year or this season just gone, we spent about 500 club visits around the country. So West Coast, you know, almost once a week and free in the pre-season probably – uh, once a fortnight or so, or yeah. whenever they want us, you know, if they do match simulation, they'll ask for umpires. Yeah, to okay. Come down. So you'd go in there just helping them through a, a scratch yeah. match or something, rather than coaches coaching, umpiring. You know, just oh, that's a free kick, Tim, or that's over there. Nat yeah. five. They want the umpires in the full green kit, proper whistles, proper instructions, so they can simulate matches as they would be played in the in the preseason comp, and obviously that home and away comp. And that's an also an opportunity time for us to meet new players. You know, welcome yeah. to the club, and how you going, and 
and they'll come up and ask questions. What can we do? Can I hold him like this? Can I block his arm? So that education and that respect and rapport that is developed, I think, um, transcends into the season. Um, yeah. So when there's, we know the emotion gets up, but when they come up to you, um, there's a bit of a, a pullback because mm. we kind of know each other a bit more. Yeah. Having said that, you'd have to be very careful, wouldn't you? Yep. Not to become mates with those people. Uh, we're, we're not mates. I wouldn't go to David Muddy's house for a barbecue or go to Shannon Hearn's boat for fishing. Absolutely. Would you go now? Uh, well, if they asked me, I'd probably be silly <laughs> enough to say no, wouldn't I? They'd have probably good boats, wouldn't Maybe they? Maybe they don't go on it well. <laughs> Unless he wants payback for yeah, you know, exactly. that time in that game but, where you robbed him. But, <laughs> certainly, but certainly when you're, you're leaving the ground and, and the players drive past in the car, but they'll wind the window down and say, yeah, well done, Dano. Thank that, thanks that freak you called. Yeah, you stiffed me there. So... The game's the game between that, say, two and five. But, you know, yeah. from six o'clock onwards, you know, I think our interactions are really, really positive and engaging and you get to meet the players' wives and sometimes their kids uh, give you a high five. And I think that's what makes footy footy. You know, we're all in the business because we love it mm. and we've all got our role to play. And I think there's that business side of it, absolutely, but then there's also some time to have a bit of downtime and have some fun. Yeah. Did it become easier to um, to have that kind of authority on the field as you got older, as you became sort of older than yep. the oldest player, if you like, on yeah. the field? Yeah, definitely. I think um, when I started, you, you, you probably sometimes over-umpot. I felt like I commentated a bit, probably spoke a bit too much, you know, whereas you get a bit older, you can be a bit more measured, a bit more calm, a bit more composed. And, and I think the players know you more, you know, mm. and that's not just the local teams. That's, you know, all clubs. Like a Jack Rewald will come up and probably speak to me a lot different to a young umpire he wouldn't even know. Because so, he knows there's a line there. He can push the boundaries a bit and there's like, okay, that's, you know, that that's important. And even in the hubs last year on the Gold Coast team where, you know, I was staying with clubs like Carlton and Richmond um, and St Kilda. So you get to meet a whole new range of players, which I don't normally see. So mm. again, that was an opportunity to develop that sort of um, rapport with them too, which I enjoyed. Yeah. How much of an impact did the introduction of the, the microphones have for you guys. Yeah, it changed a fair bit. Yeah. yeah. No doubt about it. I mean, I, I was, um, I did a game about 12 years ago and I think Paul Medhurst was playing for Collingwood and he came up to me real strong and, and said some things which I couldn't probably repeat on radio. And I just said, Paul, I'm mic'd up, mate. That's not good for your brand. And I think he sort of had to check himself and realise because when players say things, it probably looks worse for them. You know, you know, they're swearing and kids hear it all, you know, their mum hears it. It's not great. Mm. But then it is an emotional game and sometimes you just forget. But I certainly have had to check myself, you know, when it all started because the little banter is sometimes you've got to draw the line. But yeah, I remember I swore once when I put a bad bounce off many years ago and I it was, on, it was a Channel 10 game, I think, on TV and I bounced it and I went left and I went, you know, I said the F-bomb and my coach said, just make sure you never say that again because it came really? through on the broadcast. So from that moment, I always knew um, nothing's ever off the record, I guess. Be very careful. Be the yeah. pre-game, post-game because if you leave it on, you know, someone's always listening. And we know that the uh, the, the footy media loves a talking point. Loves a story. Yeah. You, you must have found yourself at the centre of some of those stories and, yeah. and felt like you'd been fairly unfairly treated. Yeah, so I think sometimes the headlines, the grabber, isn't it? Like, you know, what they write. You know, I remember when I sort of retired that one of the articles was, you know, AFL umpire Dean Mar gets dumped from AFL. So mm. all of a sudden dumped. Finally they, they sacked him when, when it wasn't quite accurate. Um, so I guess you can – the narrative's there to be interpreted how you want it to be interpreted, I guess. But, um, yeah, sometimes unfairly, but sometimes fairly too. Sometimes you've got to cop that. I, I, made, I, I would have loved in my time where after a game – 
I could go into a press conference and maybe justify a decision or explain, hey, look, I got that one wrong and this is why. I think that would humanise a bit more. Sometimes yeah. we maybe just defend for defending sake. Yeah. I've always found with players the best diffuser of a heated situation is, you know, if you come up to me and said, hey, don't know, was that free kick right? I said, no, I think I might have got that wrong, Tim. What are you going to say? Oh, yeah. okay, we move on. But if I want to inflame it, engage it, it's, no one wins from that. So I yep. think sometimes the best diffuser is just sometimes admitting. I remember playing a free kick against Mark Lacroix many years ago where, where I, he got his head taken. It's still bouncing down the Hay Street Mall now, I'm sure of it. I was in a derby, <laughs> Sean McManus took his head off. And he said, Dana, how did you not pay that? And I said, I just didn't see it, mate. I look at the replay and it was clearly a free kick. So the next time I had the chance, I said, Mark, I got that one wrong, but I'm sorry. And he said, yep, yeah. no, we move on. So I think that's the important part. Any others? Think of this as your confessional here for <laughs> a moment. how long we got? <laughs> uh, look, there's always some that you wish you had. I, I mean, there's one I – that was the one that stands out the most because that was yeah. just a bad one. Um, <laughs> but there's lots of 50-50s. Technically, they're free. If I had my time again, would I have paid it um, or not? Uh, there was one delivered out of bounds against Matt Roser in a derby where he taps it straight over. He's still – he's the pill footy manager now. He still to this day reminds me about <laughs> that. So some players never forget. But, um, that's one that I remember. But – no, it's it's. I mean, how many would I have paid him in twenty years? How many oh, free kicks? You Oof. tell me. You're the hundreds. You're the numbers, maybe man. Maybe thousand. Well, yeah. we, we were told that we we engage ourselves in about over two thousand transactions in a game. Free kicks, communication, wow. bounces, signalling. So much stuff happens. So yeah. I've been using my hands quite a bit because I'm so used to pointing or calling holding the ball, Tim. So I need to mm. probably take the Italianness out of myself. <laughs> Stick them in your pockets for <laughs> exactly. a while. And we'll get through your stats in a minute, you know, the, the, the kilometres that you yeah. cover and that sort of thing because that's phenomenal in itself. And as well, some of the, uh, shall we say, feedback, spirited feedback. It is indeed. Um, you've been good enough to um, agree to read out some of the <laughs> some of the barbs that get <laughs> thrown your way on social media. I mean, Absolutely. I'm sure that some of the stuff that comes your way across the fence too is pretty yeah. pretty fruity. It is indeed. And, and pretty colourful. But uh, before we get to that, and we'll, we'll do that after the break, um, does it ever get to you? Has, has there ever been something that's just flawed you, either from a player or from a fan, where you've just gone, wow, that actually yeah. that cuts me deep? I um, I had some letters left in my letterbox uh, probably 10 years ago you know, where someone had said, like, oh, you know, we know what car you drive, we know you've got two dogs at home, and we know you've got two kids, and it got a bit personal. And I thought mm. when someone's making the effort to come to my house and leave letters in my mum, that was a bit... Scary, I suppose. Well, not scary, but the fact that people as supporters... Now, it might have been just a guy up the road thinking he's been funny, but yeah. that, that wasn't our interpretation yeah. of it. So I had to ring the AFL up and get the integrity department involved. They put a couple of cameras yeah, right. in my letterbox to see Is if they'd right? catch him, and it stopped. Um, that's probably the nasty one. I've had letters left on my windscreen at times, and that. but yeah, that was probably the one moment. I mean, obviously now the social media has just gone to a whole new level because you can be such an anonymous person and there's no accountability for it. And... Um, you know, I, I just feel sorry for young kids if they have to experience, I'm, I'm probably old enough to deal with it, but a young umpire with all the, um, depression and mental health challenges in, in the community, mm. I mean, those things can sort of tip people over the edge and we don't want that. That's, yeah. that's, and we want people to be involved in the game, not having experiences where they want to change and, and leave a sport that they love. And that's my biggest concern. I guess my role as the head of umpires in the waffle now is to protect people from that and give them skills to be able to handle that stuff. So they can take the hits and keep on moving forward. Yeah. I mean, you would have – you've been in the game long enough that you would remember pre-social media. Yeah. Uh, and the pressures that that's brought to players as well and seeing them in their raw moments yep. out on the field as well. On balance, has it been a, a good thing or a bad influence uh, on the game, do you think? And for the players who have to 
endure it, that sort it's of It's an interesting run because like, you, you remember the one that Oscar Allen had had on the back of the paper where someone yeah. said, oh, I hope you're breaking it. Could you cost me a multi or something? I yeah. remember that on the yeah. back page. Yeah. I read that and I thought, wow, that's tough. But I, I get that every week. Yeah. You know, and if it's an umpire, it's probably just, oh, that's, we're expecting, but because it was a player, whoa, you can't say mm. it to a player. But if I, when you go through some of my stuff, I literally get stuff like that 15 to 20 times a week. Mm. Um, that wasn't a back page heading because it may be not a sexy story, but they're the things the AFL umpires have to process and endure and ride through. And now you park it and you move on because, you know, it's almost sometimes it might feel fictitious, but, you know, when you sometimes just read through and you go, gee, that actually, that person had to actually consciously find my name type that in and then go send. Yeah. They're thinking that's appropriate yep. to go send. Knowing that there's every chance that you will see it. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. And then when you do occasionally respond and you go, um, thanks for the feedback, really appreciate it. Which free kick are we actually talking about? You know, take mm. the personality aside. Oh, I had no idea you would even reply. Oh, it's actually you. <laughs> it's you. Oh, my God. I'm, I'm really sorry. And I had one lady actually apologize um, on behalf of her husband because, you know, she was actually embarrassed when I responded back. And I said, look, I can cop it, but if that's another person, that tips them over the edge. Are you comfortable with that? And, it, you know, it creates a lot of um, yeah. engagement when, when you sort of challenge them on it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I bet. Having said that, we'll get you to go through <laughs> some of the feedback, if we can call it that, the constructive criticism uh, that you've had to uh, not sure it's suffer. Much, I'm not sure there's much construction in there. <laughs> no, it's <laughs> certainly honest, criticism. <laughs> <laughs> this is Inspiring Stories. Dean Gets is our special guest. We'll get into it right after this. You're listening to Inspiring Stories for Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Inspiring Stories for Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Welcome back to Inspiring Stories. The retiring Dean Margetts is our special guest in this episode. Uh, Dean, just a couple of your key stats here. 481 senior games that you've uh, umpired in. That's 370-odd uh, AFL games, yep. over 100 waffle games, the 2000 and 2008 waffle grand finals in there as well. One of the more staggering figures is you you run on average about 13Ks yep. in a game. That's a lot of miles That's in the That's a lot legs. of miles. I think I've run a few yeah. clicks. I've been around the country a few times. Yep, yeah. Definitely. No, it's over a, a million Ks traveling to and from games. Yep. A lot. I think That's a I, lot of frequent fly. How's your frequent flyer points? Yeah, pretty good. Healthy. Um, my partner takes a fair few when she wants some trips. <laughs> COVID's probably protected that a bit over the last couple of years. But yeah. I think someone said um, I've flown around the world 25 times yeah, with that 1.2 million cases. Is that right? Yeah, which yep. is a lot. Yeah. Yep. Um, just to, not that I want to you know, give any more fuel to conspiracy theories, but your partner's surname is Fife, just mm. for the record. I know you've put it on the record many yep. times, but no, no relation. No relation. No relation. Scottish background. Doesn't work at the Eagles. Doesn't work at the Eagles. Okay. Imagine that. Imagine Katrina Five working at the Eagles. Wow. <laughs> she would have to change her name. She would have to. <laughs> yeah. Might have to change it to Marquettes. Yes. Indeed. <laughs> I um, might have time now. <laughs> <laughs> that fitness though that's required to, I mean, 13 Ks every week. Yep. Um, do you do a lot of training during the week to maintain that level of physical fitness? Most of the work's done pre pre-season because yep. our game becomes our biggest training session, 30Ks. Yep. And depending, I could umpire Thursday, Friday, Saturday, or Sunday. So that obviously determines when we train and recover. Yep. Um, there's probably one hard session during the week. And that might be at a club, mind you, doing some games with them during the week. And um, that's all assessed and GPS monitored from our national head umpiring fitness guy. So, um, yeah, it's all well done and measured and we looked after very well. Yep. Um, let's talk about some of the um, the fruity abuse that you've that you've received over the year. I mean, you've, you've sent us a sample. Yeah. 
Um, do you want me to read it out? Or yes, do you? please. No, okay. please. So this, do you want me to read who it's from? No. No. Okay. We'll keep them anonymous. <laughs> you know, that's very generous of Even you. Even though they put their face and they their name their, to it. Exactly. Yeah. Sometimes. Sometimes it's, smiling at a family it's photo. It's kind of weird. Or there's a guy who's like holding his grandkids on LinkedIn. Seriously? Like... <laughs> That's weird. So, look, I apologise in advance. Look, I'll keep this, you know, I'll, I'll censor it accordingly as we go, keeping in mind the time of day that we're on air. <laughs> there might be people listening who don't appreciate it. Um, if we did an IQ test on your knowledge of the game, it would come back with a, I think it's a potato, mm. <laughs> have a good shower with the GWS boys. Mm. Yeah. Yep. Um, I've never showered with any of the clubs. We have our own, <laughs> we have our own change room facility, so that's, I need to clarify that. Uh, congratulate yourself and the rest of the crew for the mm-hmm. insert, <laughs> whatever you want there. Yep. Ends with, you know, yes. best yes. Uh, and most biased umpiring I've ever seen. That, you must get that. All the time. All the time. Yep. Yep. Um, mate, you are the most one-sided ump ever. Go back to effing umpiring juniper footy. I presume that means jun- junior footy. Yep. You, I can't even say the next bit because yep. it's offensive to a lot of people. Yep. Uh, you're so bad. You're the wrong version of your, but uh, we'll blame that on the <laughs> education system, yep. perhaps. You're so bad and should be ashamed of your efforts tonight. Go to Spec Savers, you effing blind thing. You legit look like a, I can't even say the rest. Yeah. But someone, you know, people who end up in prison for a long period of time for doing yeah. unspeakable things to children, basically. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's pretty strong, isn't it? I mean, it? it's, I mean, that's, yeah. That's, that, that's pretty and strong. That's, are they text messages to you or are they? No, they're just sort of like, you know, obviously I've got Facebook and Instagram. So they go, they sit in the, the request part, you know, where you, you can, they can find you and you can, mm. you can access them. So occasionally I'll just look at it and go, wow, you know, it's interesting. And I, I keep a few of them. So when I go, I did a talk at the police union a couple of years ago and I shared that with them and just put yeah. it up on the screen and they, they were horrified that yeah. someone doing their job would cop up something like that, which yeah. I did. So I mean, outside of this high pressure environment of, of footy, yeah. Is it, I mean, is it actually a, a criminal act these days oh, to... I suppose it could be, but I mean, again... If someone says you're a cheat or you're, yeah. you know, taking bribes, bribes. from someone, yeah. that's that's defamatory, it, isn't it? Pretty much, yeah. And lots of things get said, and I've read stories, it's, you know, it's, it's beggar's belief sometimes, but I think those ones you've read out, they're the ones that tip over the edge. There was one that said, you know, next time you're up to stadium, we're going to make sure you get glassed in the car park. I mean, even that, that's pretty yeah. strong, isn't it? I mean, do I have to look over my... Now, obviously, we looked after with security and that, but, you know, to even think to type that, yeah. It's pretty strong. Yeah. Mm. You won't miss that. Won't miss that. No. Won't no. That. I've got some great memories to keep in the scrapbook to say one day, this is what I used to go through. And yeah. I'd love to see in 20 years time, where, where's it gone to then? What would it be like in 20 years? I know what it was 20 years ago. Yeah. I know what it's like today. What would it be in you know, 10 to 20 in you know, forward? It'd be interesting to see. Yeah. What about from players? Don't name, I, I know you're not, you're not going to name them anyway, let's be honest, but you must have had some filthy things Said to you by players as no, well. Maybe not so much recently now that the microphones are on yeah, the ground. Not, not, not filthy, probably more creative. Like, you know, Kane Corns is always very creative. He'd always say, we'd, we'd go and meet the player before every game. He'd always say to me, don't know how many, how many do you owe me this week? Like, he's like, you know. <laughs> or, um, yeah, like, the, some of the smarter players, yeah, they're always good because before the game, you go and meet the players and, and you talk to them and they have some banter with you. So, look, I don't think there's been any filthy stuff. No, yeah. they've been pretty good. All right. I'm going to put you on the spot now. Who's the best player that you've witnessed? from your position on the field? Um, oh, at the peak of their powers, I'll say Nick Rewalt. Just his running capacity, his courage. Um, he could do things that sort of not many players his size could do, so yep. he'd be right up there. Okay, yeah. as a as a just a frequently, consistently 
outstanding player. He was the go-to man for his club when their club didn't have a lot of stars. He was the main man. He was Mm. the captain of the club, a club which hadn't had a lot of success for a while. So when you package it all up and you could see what he did, um, yeah, he was was right up there for me. What about the most sort of freakishly mercurial, I can't believe he did that player? Probably Chris Judd at his best when he could just burst through a pack, spin 360, run, bounce, dodge, weave, kick goals. Ackermanis on his left foot. He could do things on his left side of his body that no one can do. Um, Buckley, you know, at his best, hurt. I mean, I could list I, – I got to umpire him, Tim. That's, you know, mm. Jonathan Brown's courage. I mean, his body's just been decimated through courage. And I get to sit – I went to shake Michael Voss's hand one day and all his fingers are all <laughs> munted because of, you know, the handballing, the, the, all the things. And that's when you sit back and go, wow, our, our game is such a brutal sport and these guys are the stars of it. And I've just been really fortunate enough to be able to play a little part in bouncing the ball for them and um, hopefully getting the right free kicks for them. And who are you going to support once you really um, sort of deprogram that, that that umpiring out of your system? Depending what Which colour, team are you going to support? Depending what colours we wear, it'll either be green, blue or white. <laughs> you're the, just, the you'll be rooting color. for the umpires. I think so. Always yeah. have a soft spot because I understand what it's like and how hard it is. Yeah. And, and what does the future hold for you? Um, time to reset the compass a bit, you know, mm-hmm. just invest, um, some time back into people who are, who have probably suffered a bit from uh, my absence, um, you know, family wise, friends wise. Um, so yeah, probably have a break and, um, play a bit more golf, uh, mow a few more lawns and, um, you know, paint a few more walls for the time being. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe w- actually watch some games. If we... Maybe watch them and just maybe watch them as the game. Maybe not with the umpire. Was that free kick right or wrong? Yeah. But I can't go to a game without it and say, don't know, what a free a kick. That might take a while. So, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it though. Well, it's been fascinating uh, hearing your perspective uh, in a very unique position that you've Thank been you. in now for, for some time. Congratulations on an incredible career, an enduring career. And boy, I hope some of that, um, that abuse stops being thrown your way too. Well, it can start in your household, Tim. That'd be a good start, wouldn't it? But thank you for your, um, your, having me on the program. And I'm glad I could a be a little bit inspiring for some young umpires. Thank Indeed. you. Indeed. I'm sure you've encouraged a few youngsters to pick up the whistle. Hopefully. If they maybe don't have what it takes to, uh, you know, to, to, play to play footy, but want to be a part of the game. 100%. Absolutely. So thank you so much. You've been listening to Inspiring Stories here on 882 6PR. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. We look forward to you joining us next time as we unearth another inspiring story. You're listening to Inspiring Stories for Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Stuff for your face and body? It's men's skincare with a purpose. Top quality Aussie-made grooming and skincare to help guys look and feel great with no hassles. Plus, Stuff is helping mental health too. Find Stuff at Woolworths or visit websiteofstuff.com.